Friends, welcome to church. My name is Adam, and I love being uh, the senior pastor at First United Methodist Church. It's been a week, hadn't it? It's been a week. My hope is that this worship service can be a source of rest and refreshment for all of us. As we study Psalm 23, that, that we can have that serenity that we read about, that, that we can uh, get a sense of the provision of God as we turn our attention and focus and love towards him. So as a part of worship, we'll do several things together. We'll have the opportunity to pray, sing praises to God, to read from God's word, and we'll have the opportunity to be generous. So as we begin this morning, we've been looking at Psalm 23 for a month and a half or so, and one of my challenges to you was to try and memorize this famous psalm. So let's make that our prayer as we gather together this morning. Would you pray these words with me? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Well, I'll turn it over to the worship leaders. Thank you so much for making worship a priority this week. Let's go to God together. Let your glory come. God, we enter your presence. We speak your holy name. We wait on you. We wait on you. Oh, Jesus, we're here for you. We feel your presence in this place Let your mercy fall Let your mercy fall God has sent your spirit near We're here for you. 
see your face We feel your presence in this place Let your mercy fall Let your mercy fall God, we sense your spirit near everyone. We've been doing our prayers from outside in God's good earth, but soon our entire service is going to be held from here in the sanctuary. And I thought this might be a good Sunday for us to pray over our sanctuary. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our holy and gracious God, you are amazing. And we are so blessed to know you and to have your Holy Spirit work within us so that we can continue to grow in your love and in your spirit. Lord, as we look out over our church, our building, we just pray your blessing on each person that chooses to come to service and those that choose to stay home. Lord, whatever the choice is, we pray that all our people are kept safe. Lord, we thank you for this building, knowing that it is a place together, yet your church is not just here. The work of the church is outside these walls. Lord, as we look at the flag that is in our sanctuary, we remember to pray for our nation. Lord, right now there is so much tension, hate, fear, anger. Lord, we pray your love, your love that conquers all, can be shown through us and in us, and that our nation can find peace. We lift up our leaders so that they can demonstrate that love, Lord. As we see the eternal flame right there, 
we know that you are with us. Well, it symbolizes you are with us, Lord. And we are thankful that you are with us, not just inside this building, but everywhere. Lord, we want people to know that they are welcome. Welcome to our church family. Welcome no matter where they come from, no matter their color, their sex, their economic status, their background. Lord, all are welcome. Lord, we miss our choir. We miss the piano playing. We miss the praise band. We miss Dogwood Elementary where Westside takes place. Yet we know that we are your people and there is ministry to be done. Lord, I just thank you for those that are continuing to pray for our country and for others, those who are calling, those that are um, lonely, those that are writing cards. I thank you for those, the ministry of baby grace that earlier items were collected and taken to those families. And I pray for those baby grace families that they have income and employment. Lord, we thank you for those that made mass and we pray that um, they touch people's lives and keep people safe. Lord, we thank you for the ability for this building to have a blood drive and people participate in it. Lord, most of all, what's on my heart are those people, those children in Haiti. We like to think of them as this happy bunch of kids that it's all good and fun colors, but life for them right now is is not that. Lord, it is hard to find clean water there, to social distance, to find medical um, personnel and supplies. So many things, Lord. We pray that you open our eyes so that we can be your people and serve you. For now, Lord, we just lay these people of Haiti and all people in our nation and our world at the foot of your cross. We give you our fears and our anxieties, and we ask you to guide us in what our next step should be. Together as your people, we lift the prayer you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Oh 
up our series on Psalm 23. It's six verses long. This is our sixth week, and we have been breaking each one of these down NFL film style. We get the word psalm in English from an ancient word meaning songs of praise. And Psalm 23 was written by David, who himself was a shepherd and speaks from experience. And uh, he was also known as Israel's greatest king. This is what we've read in verses one through four. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the thread of all four of these verses is the image, the metaphor of God as our shepherd and us as the sheep. This is not necessarily a compliment, right? Sheep can be very high maintenance livestock. Shepherding is dirty, stinky, hard work. My friends Kelly and Mike made a post on Facebook the other day, uh, tending to their sheep, and I thought to myself and commented, hey, thanks for providing the intro to my sermon this week. Check this out. This is Mike, our worship leader at Westside. Poor sheep. 
Poor Mike. Look, the little dude looks way different afterwards. The little black sheep at the bottom. What a hot, sweaty mess. This is the picture of God as our shepherd who isn't afraid of doing the dirty work. And that's good news for us because we're a mess. Friends, right now, we are such a mess. As I monitor the news, have conversations with folks in our church, as I consult with my colleagues and other pastors, I wrestle with leadership in the midst of a pandemic and in the call around our nation for racial justice. And as I wrestle with these things, I was reminded of an episode from Jesus' life. This is from Matthew chapter nine. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I love that. The world desperately needs the good news of Jesus Christ, that in his life and death and resurrection, we can be reconciled to God and that we can be agents of reconciliation and that we can be instruments of peace to the world he created good and longs to restore. This is a crucial part of what it means to follow Jesus, to obey our good shepherd, to be part of his flock. He said there's plenty of opportunities. Not everyone's signing up. The workers are plenty. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Got to get that straight. Psalm 23, 6, it provides an amazing conclusion to the concept of God being our shepherd, of, of what it means to be a part of God's flock. For God to be our shepherd, our host, our provider, and our protector. So what I hope we'll discover today is that blessing is our destiny. One of the reasons Psalm 23 is so meaningful to so many people is because of the hopeful honesty it conveys. It speaks very plainly of reality, and that rings true. Psalm 23 describes enemies, valleys, evil, Things that are present, things that we understand are real. But verse six has been something that believers have hung their hat on for thousands of years. It means a lot to me personally as well. This last February, after my dad passed away, I wrote a post about it the next day, just kind of letting people understand my family's sad news. My family has been so touched by the support from our church uh, from from our, our family, of course, from our friends. And, and some of that, a lot of that has even come online. The day after he passed, I, I wrote a post and my friend Janice made the following comment. Surely goodness and mercy are your companions now. Prayers for you and yours. I love Janice and, and this meant a lot to me. This was Janice kind of personal translation of Psalm 23, 6 which reads, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a conclusion. And I think we can glean quite a bit from zooming in on several concepts in this short verse. Goodness and love. Who could argue with that? 
But what exactly is meant by the text here? What, what we translate goodness in the NIV version, which we read from, is the Hebrew word tob, meaning that which is pleasing or valuable or useful, that which is of benefit. This word occurs 484 times in the Old Testament. And this is a fitting crescendo for a psalm which is comprised primarily of all the ways the shepherd provides for the sheep. Rest in green pastures, refreshment beside still waters, safe passage along the path through the valley, the rod for protection and the staff for comfort, provision of a table, security from enemies, oil, wine. That all sounds pretty good to me. And these are all symbols for what God provides that is most desirable and most useful and always beneficial to his flock. Tob is paired with love, the English word in verse six. Other translations read mercy or loving kindness. So the Hebrew word, which we read earlier as love, is hased, And this is an unfailing kind of love, uh, some translations use the word steadfast. This is often used to describe God's love that is related to faithfulness to his covenant or to the promises that God has made. This is, this is a word, this has said, is God's faithful keeping of God's covenant. This word appears 249 times in the Old Testament. So both of these concepts, goodness and loving kindness, the, the, these, these are recurring at a high rate in the scriptures. This concept of hesed is also used in describing kings in proper relation to their subjects, doing what is best, doing what is right for the sake of their people, acting in their best interests. This is what hesed means. Another example of this word in action in the Hebrew Bible comes from Numbers 14. The Lord is slow to anger and filled in unfailing love. I don't know about you, but I could use some steadfast love that doesn't change or flake out or falter. This is what David says is surely his, and we can agree is surely ours. These qualities of God, goodness and loving kindness, David says they follow me. The New Living Translation reflects another facet of, of the meaning in the original Hebrew. When it translates verse six, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. Isn't that interesting that, that at the conclusion of Psalm 23, it's this picture of God's goodness and loving kindness in pursuit of us. Earlier we read about enemies which surely pursue, which surround. But that ain't the only thing on your tail. God's goodness and mercy, God's loving kindness, God's unfailing love, pursue us. I love this image. When our faith is in God, it isn't just our enemies pursue us, but the blessings of God that always follow close behind. Most of the image of Psalm 23 can phase us following God as a sheep follows a shepherd but here we get the image of God following and pursuing us. Look, I know I've mentioned this recently, but one of the big developments in my family is that my six-year-old learned to ride his bike. Again, I think I've mentioned this in these recent sermons, 
But uh, when we're not doing a whole lot at home, riding the bike is kind of, kind of the big deal. We've discovered the paved path off of 19th Street, and it is amazing. Uh, we've, we've really enjoyed getting out there and, and, and putting the pedal to the metal. Uh, but on the ride to, from our house to the path, about halfway down my street, the sidewalk ends. And so Aaron and I ride kind of on the street close to the curb. And you best believe I'm following close behind him. I'm right on his flank, watching his every move, especially while we're on the road. I love this image of the goodness and mercy of God always at our side. David says that God's goodness and loving kindness will pursue him, will follow him all the days of my life. This is a bold statement. The picture is all-encompassing. All the days of my life. Now, this is an easier verse to recite when things are going great. But what about when they aren't? W. Philip Keller wrote a book that I've leaned on heavily throughout this series, speaking as uh, a shepherd himself and drawing upon his experience. His book is called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. I think you can get it for like two bucks on Kindle right now. So I'd recommend that to you. This is what Philip Keller said. How many Christians actually feel this way about Christ? How many of us are truly convinced that no matter what occurs in our lives, we are followed by goodness and mercy? Of course, it's very simple to speak this way when things are going well. But then there's times when my little world is falling apart and the dream castles of my ambitions and hopes crumble into ruins. Can I honestly declare, surely, yes, surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life? We talked about this in the series, that, that when things are not going great, when God is hard to find, that's exactly when faith comes in. That's exactly when we need God's goodness and loving kindness the most. This is when faith is necessary. Keller says that in every circumstance, we can trust God's nearness and desire for the best for the sheep, us. He says, my serenity has at its basis an implicit, unshakable reliance on his ability to do the right thing, the best thing in any given situation. Psalm 23 closes with some of the most treasured words in scriptures. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there's two revolutionary concepts here. Back when David wrote this psalm, monotheism was not trending, right? That, that was, that was a, a, a new or, or not very subscribed to concept, the worship of one God. Right? This was not common thousands of years ago. The word for house is bayit, and it's used elsewhere to refer to the temple where God was worshiped, where it was believed that God resided. And the concluding word in the psalm is forever, which is also interesting to interpret. In the Old Testament, in the Jewish mind, eternity was, was not really a religiously significant concept. Elsewhere in the Psalms, when we read about salvation, it, it doesn't have like this eternal bent to it. It's about salvation or being saved from your enemies. It's about victory over opposition. It's about God's deliverance from evil, temporal, earthly. 
This closing word forever can also be translated length of days or an indefinite portion of time. Now, generations later, we have the witness of Christ and and we have the witness of the church throughout the generations to claim the promise seated in Psalm 23 that we can follow God and trust in the security of our soul for this life and the life to come. Blessing is our destiny. The goodness and mercy of God promised to us in Psalm 23, pursuing us, That is what God desires to provide us with as a shepherd provides for their sheep. Goodness and mercy. These are some of the marks of the Christian life and and, and they fit in the metaphor of shepherding as well. Keller notes that when sheep are well cared for and wisely shepherded, the environment around them thrives as well. This is what he said. The sheep's habit of seeking the highest rise of ground on which to rest ensures that the fertility from the rich lowland is redeposited on the less productive higher ground. No other livestock will consume as wide a variety of herbage. Sheep eat all sorts of weeds and other undesirable plants that might otherwise invade a field. So where sheep graze under the guidance, under the supervision, under the care of a wise and good shepherd, when sheep graze, fertile and weed-free land also follow them. So we might pose the same question. Wherever we go, do we leave the goodness and mercy of God behind? Are we making an impact on where we find ourselves? If we as believers have received goodness and mercy from God, It is our call to extend that to others. And the good news, friends, is that there's plenty to go around. I'm afraid too often we approach things with the the mentality of a zero-sum game, meaning that someone else's gain is our loss. If someone else is getting ahead, that means you're falling behind. That's a zero-sum game mindset. Right? We, we behave like there's only a, a limited amount of goodness and mercy to go around. And if we extend some over here, well, that means we've got to take it from over here. Right? That if, we, if we give goodness and mercy to someone, that means we have to withhold it from someone else because there's only so much. I, I, I disagree with this whole mindset. When my daughter was born, I didn't sit my son down and be like, listen, man, we got 50% love to give you. So, so we'll be furloughing a lot, of, you know, a lot of the love and attention you've received. That's gonna be cut at about half. There's only so much to go around. No, that's ridiculous. No one would ever say that to their children. That's not how it works when God supplies new mercies every morning. There's plenty to go around. The word pastor is only used once in the New Testament, in Ephesians 4.11. Our English word pastor is the Greek equivalent to poimen or shepherd. This week I got a call from someone on the other side of the phone. I said, hey, this is Adam. They said, hi, Adam. It's one of your flock. I liked that. 
That's one of the highest honors of my life, to be a pastor, to follow in the long line of shepherds attempting to serve God's people. And within our flock, within our community, there are people who have experienced the world very differently than I have as a white man. I know this because our church worked with the Department of Justice and the Kearney School District for us to house an event at our church called School Spirit last winter. I got to listen firsthand to the pain of students who had experienced racism. Not out there somewhere, here, in our town. And it's our job as Christians to extend the goodness and mercy of God to them. To listen, to confront the uncomfortable reality of our own racial biases that we harbor. Maybe, probably, unknowingly. What is needed is the willingness for white folks to get uncomfortable, to educate ourselves, and to not remain silent about racial justice. We will be offering the flock tangible steps and opportunities. It's coming, friends. We're in this for the long haul. I, I don't care about making a splash on social media. I don't care about, about what people's impressions are of me because of what I do or don't post online. I care about being a pastor. I care about the first responders and officers and firemen in this community, in our church. I care about their families who fear for their safety. I have been inside their homes. I don't think being critical of unjust killings means a condemnation of all law enforcement. I believe that God supplies us with enough goodness and mercy to go around and I care about our church, about this flock, making an impact on this community in Jesus' name. That we would make new disciples for the transformation of the world. God's provision as our shepherd isn't just for us, friends. We are blessed to be a blessing, and blessing is our destiny. So for this moment in our nation, I offer you some of my favorite words I've ever heard. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian and seminary professor. He was working at the seminary at NYU during World War II. And as, and as the Nazi regime rose, this dude actually went back to Germany to help lead a resistance. I mean, when you read his books, that just hovers over your mind because this decision cost him his life. So inspirational, so, so just challenging, and uh, it's, 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one of my heroes. He said this, we must learn to regard people less in light of what they do or omit to do and more in light of what they suffer. This is the phrase that is on my heart and mind constantly. When I jump to conclusions, when I rush to judgment, if I feel the instinct to be quick to condemn, I try and remind myself of Bonhoeffer's words. It's become somewhat of a mantra in my life, and I hope that it can be a similar gift in yours. We must learn to regard people less in light of what they do or omit to do, and more in the light of what they suffer. So before we go condemning what we may not understand, let's extend some grace to listen and learn. The promise of Psalm 23 is ours. Surely, goodness and mercy are your companions now and forever. And everybody said, amen. As Christians, we make a habit of taking a small part of our gifts that God has given us and giving those back to God so that the blessings that flow from God to us can flow out to others. I'm proud to be part of such a generous and faithful congregation. One of the ways that we were able to bless other folks this week was a blood drive that we had at our church on Monday. We partnered with the Red Cross, which has had over 18,000 blood drives canceled since March. We opened up our space and they had all their protocols and it was an awesome day to see folks selflessly uh, giving of themselves for the sake of others. I'm proud to be part of a church that, that has a desire to bless other people and I appreciate you and I, and I, and I hope you can um, get that same sense of blessing as we go to God with our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings. We have three ways to give. If you're accustomed to writing a check, we can receive that here at the church via mail. You can give online through our website, carney.church slash giving. And if you want to be fancy about it, you can text the word give to 816-354-1760. Let's pray and ask God to bless our gifts to be used in his kingdom. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together, even as we're distributed, we know that your work and your ministry continues. We know that the church is the gathering of your people, your flock. And so we thank you that our facility was used uh, so that others could find life, so that others could have a supply of vital blood we ask your blessing upon these gifts that you would receive them in the spirit with which they're offered lovingly, warmly, and gratefully. We ask that you multiply these gifts, make them mean so much more together than they would alone so that more and more people could know the saving love of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. Oh,
Friends, this week, let's go with the knowledge that blessing is our destiny. Thank you so much for taking this deep dive on Psalm 23 these past several weeks. If you missed any of those, I'd encourage you to check them out at our message archive online on our website. And this week, we have one last chance to join up with our pastors on a Bible study as we dig deeper into Psalm 23, verse 6 together. And so I hope you'll take advantage of that to connect with other folks and to connect with the Word of God. So now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen.